Kia ora, I'm Georgia, I'm Catherine, and I'm Marley, and you're listening to Pimpod! everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Parent Pod. How are you, Georgia and Molly? Hold on, um, I think the letter of the week is D. Oh gosh. Oh yeah. Dude, I'm going to be straight up. I don't even have the brain capacity to think about that. Delirious. <laughs> Defeated. <laughs> that Defeated. One. Defeated. Yeah. Good one. Oh, why? <laughs> What's going on in your life? Oh, we, I thought we, our run of sickness with having COVID and then oh. gastro would have been enough, but we got hit with the flu. Um, oh, Georgia. Yeah. And fuck me, it's a goodie this year. I don't know I've if heard it's really friends. bad this year. It was, it has been so bad. Yeah. Flo, um, she came down with it first and had it for a few days and then I got it and holy shit, <laughs> it was so tough. And obviously we've had so much sickness, so Tomo had no sick days. Oh um, no. So at hard. one point on Monday, oh my gosh, this sounds so bad. I just had like the TV on for Harry. He was like watching TV and Flo was just playing on the floor and I, I definitely think I dozed off. Only for like 10 seconds and I kind of woke myself back up and was like, holy shit. Flo was just like hands deep into the pot plant, just like dirt around her face, just like eating all the dirt. Oh my God. I don't even care. I just don't know. Yeah, you're probably like all the nutrients you can get, eat the dirt. We need it. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, sorry to be a downer, but we're like pretty much through it. Um, Surely no take- more bugs this oh, year for you oh guys. Oh my gosh, I hope not. I have got us all booked in for the flu jab, even though we've already had it and getting the jab anyway. Um, yeah, so we all four of us it, had it this week. Recommend. Yeah. Oh, good. And do you know what? No, like no issues with it at all this year. None of us had any oh, like aches or side effects great. or anything from it. Yeah, it was. That's great. really good. Can't complain. Yeah, yeah. It's I've had a few friends that have had the flu um, in the last week, and they have said it's the sickest they have ever been. Um, oh, it's God. just a, yeah, a really, really, really nasty one. And like, I still don't really have an appetite, which oh. I mean, yeah, it's bizarre. Great for the wedding, time. but yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> shredding for the wedding's going really well. It was crazy. At one point, Tom, I was like, how have the kids been? I was like, I don't even know. What kids? <laughs> I don't even know how they are. <laughs> yeah. These kids here? <laughs> really? <laughs> no, they were. I knew they were, I knew they were there. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, I bet. Oh, yeah. Georgia. Anyway, enough whinging. How are you, Marley? <laughs> um, I'm feeling delightful. <laughs> I'm feeling delightful because um, Layla did, like, a really great sleep last night which was so amazing, like the best one she's ever done. But, um, yeah, so that's really great. I'm not feeling so delightful about tomorrow. I've got to do a first aid course for work, and it's from 8.30 till 5. (laughs) It's a long day. Yeah, on a Saturday. But that's all right. I just think, like, I'll have my first aid when I'm finished, so that that will be good. Have you Um, ever had to use any first aid? No. (laughs) Not yet. I'm I'm that sort of person that, yeah, touch wood. I'm the sort of person that I'll do the first aid course and then, because I've done a baby first aid course before, but when I've come to the once neat thought I could probably use it, I've freaked out and I Mm. have no idea what to do. So um, I'll definitely be that person still. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> After the first aid course, I'll be like, oh, wait, hang on. What do I do? I'm terrible under pressure. As teachers, it's just like two phrases you use, like go to the toilet and try and do a poo. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Or, or you say, yeah. have a drink of office, water. Have a drink of water or go to the office and get an ice pack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ice pack. Like, 
I do this with Mila all the time. She'll say, I've, I've got a sore tummy or something. I'm like, have a drink of water or do you need to do a poo? Yeah. <laughs> Kids oh would be like, I hurt God. my finger. Have a drink of water. Yeah. <laughs> when I was teaching in London, all the kids had to do a first aid course and I was teaching um, years five and six at the time. And so funny, a few weeks later, a couple of the kids in my class um, got an award from St. John's Ambulance because they'd performed first aid on a member of public. Um, so they came, oh, St. John's wow. Ambulance came and gave the award. But funnier story, um, a man had fallen over and broken his ankle in the street. <laughs> the two kids in my class gave him CPR. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, um, and he was like, "No, really, I'm fine." And, one them, and they said that one of them kept rubbing his collarbone and being like, "Are you awake? What's your name?" And he was like, "Yeah, Doctor's ABC." Yeah, basically, like, "Stay awake, stay awake." And he was like, "I'm Aww. completely conscious." And they um they gave him CPR, and he was like, "I've just got a sore foot." This so cute so so cute because they were on their own in the street so St John's Ambulance obviously saw how how lovely that was and they got an award in assembly but oh my gosh I cracked up when they came and told me that is so funny (laughs) good times kids are so hilarious how's your week been Catherine yeah good good um oh my D actually I've got a bit of a confession my D this week is I was actually a bit of a dick this week so oh. took the kids to this I know I feel awful but I'm going to share it anyway went to the zoo Douche this week yeah. with the kids and there's this dark room where they keep nocturnal animals in and it's my kids favorite place in the whole zoo and it's quite long it takes maybe 15 minutes to get through it we got in and then I realized that Hugh had put on his flashing shoes that that afternoon <laughs> I'd completely forgotten and I was like, oh, God, I should probably take him out. This isn't great. However, there was this group of, like, 20-year-olds there, five of them, and they came up and had a go at me about it. <gasps> yeah. No way. It was these three guys and two girls, and they came up to me and said, and said uh, excuse me, do you really think it's a good idea for your kid to be wearing flashing shoes in here? <laughs> um, oh, honestly, I was a bit like, uh, I'm on my own with two kids. There's five of you. This is just a bit confrontational. Yeah. I should have been a great role model for my kids and just said, like, I'm really sorry. I know we shouldn't have come in. Yeah, I didn't. But you tried to take these kids out of here. <laughs> um, well, I turned around and was like, what do you suggest? Do you want to take his shoes off? Like, you can take his shoes off if you want. And they were like, what? <laughs> you know, it was like, I could feel myself, like, in my head, I was going, like, what are you saying? Why are you starting an argument with them? Like, back, just walk away and apologize. And the boys were both staring at me. And they were like, no, we're just saying, do you really think it's a good idea? And I was like, you try taking two toddlers to the zoo and then get back to me. Like, <laughs> I had no cool whatsoever in that moment. Worst role model for my kids. Felt like such a dick afterwards. But also kind of wanted to say to them, give me a call in 10 years when you're taking two kids to the zoo on a rainy day when they've been stuck inside all day. And then we'll we'll talk, yeah. okay? But do you reckon that'll be one of those see, moments that when they are parents, they'll look back and they'll be like, "Ah, remember that time at the, the zoo?" We came and had a go at that girl in the zoo. Yeah, yeah. Um, now we get it. Now we get it. I'm hoping they do. But also, I handled that so badly. I shouldn't have. I should have I like argued think, with them. Like the way. I think the way you handled it was fine because, like, I wish in situations like that I could do that. I can't. If someone said that to me, I would have been like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Whereas, like, I always walk away and I think, actually, I wish I would have said to them, like, exactly what you said. So I suppose, like, you know, like... I it's, don't know if it's I think great. it's like, a good Hugh, thing. Yeah. <laughs> Hugh was staring at me as so I was like, go on, take your shoes off. <laughs> Thinking like, I don't want that girl to take my shoes off. <laughs> oh, um, but you just have so those good. mum moments. Never mind. Oh, so yeah, it felt, like it felt like a bit of a dick this week. 
I'm going to try and be a bit more calm and collected next time if something like that happens. Hey, it gave us a laugh, so well and truly <laughs> worth it. They're probably never going back to the zoo to, ever again. They'll be like, the mum's there. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, so we should probably get into this week's episode. Um, and Georgia, yes. can you tell us a little bit about... Um, yeah, can you just chat to us a little bit about this week? Because I know it's a bit personal yeah. for you, isn't it? Yeah, so we um, interviewed Rebecca from Nourish Feeding Therapy um, a few weeks ago now, and you'll probably hear it in the episode, actually, as we were doing it. I was just having all of these light bulb moments and basically felt like she was describing um, Harry when she was talking about kids with feeding issues and when it may be more than something... um, Sorry, more than just fussy eating. And as the episode was going, I was like, oh, my God, that's Harry. Oh, my God, that's Harry. Oh, wait, that's Harry. And, yeah, so literally straight after the episode, I messaged her and just said, oh, I think we need to to chat. Um, and we've had Rebecca around to her house a couple of times now, and she is amazing. She has been so great with Harry. He just absolutely loves, like he Aww. knows now when she comes around because she makes it really fun and really exciting. And, um, yeah, we're just we're, um, booking in to see an ENT just to, like, check out um, – if there's something else going on with Harry, she could check to see if there was a tongue tie. And yeah, we basically just know that there's it's more than just fussy eating with him. There's something going on um, potentially with his tongue that's making it difficult for him to... I think it's for him, it's like a textural thing. He doesn't like things mm. and he really struggles to move food around his mouth. So it makes it really hard if it's something that's chewy um or yeah i think it just when it's a new food he gets a little bit cautious mm. so that's, that's been so really great yeah really really interesting and gosh i know that having health insurance is um you know like that's a privilege in itself but it is actually covered under health health insurance for us which wow. is amazing because got yeah i mean it it is it does cost money and um, yeah, for it to be covered under health insurance is just being really great for us. Um, yeah, that's amazing. To be able to just, yeah, just to get the help that we need for him. Mm. So I will keep you updated on that. It's, yeah. Oh, and like Rebecca was great as well. The first um, time she saw us, she said, gosh, not that if you have a fussy kid, it's your fault, but just know that this isn't your fault at all. Um, you know, there's really nothing that, you could have done differently to make the way that he eats be any different from how it is now so yeah yeah she she's been awesome and she does in this episode like go into that but she also just gives tips on how to avoid fussy eating too so Mm. if you're listening and like me as the episode's going you're thinking oh god that sounds like like me then I would definitely recommend getting in touch with her and yeah if you've got health insurance definitely check to see if it covers it as well because Mm. it is definitely worth it yeah, definitely. I didn't so, realize yeah. that. That's great. Oh my gosh, I was so relieved when I saw that it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely keep really us updated. Good. We should probably get into yes, the episode then. Yeah, so, enjoy. Here we go with Rebecca. We are very excited to have Rebecca Barnard from Nourish Feeding Therapy on the podcast today. Rebecca is an occupational therapist and the director of the private practice service that specializes in supporting children from aged 18 months to 14 years with a range of feeding challenges. We are going to be chatting about all things feeding, how to manage those tricky mealtime behaviors and how to know when your child may need additional support around feeding. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, Rebecca. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here and talking all things food. Um, So a little bit about me. So yes, I'm an occupational therapist first um, and started my journey in Australia, just in general pediatrics um, for a while and then gracefully fell into the world of feeding and never really came out of it um, because there's (laughs) so much involved in it. Um, So I ended up in a private practice uh, feeding clinic over in Australia um, and then global pandemics kind of 
pushed me home and I ended up in in Christchurch and but for myself was trying to find a job in feeding therapy but for families was trying to find a service that they could go to and there just wasn't you know there just wasn't an option so I created yeah my my business Nourish Feeding Therapy to meet the need of so many children Mm -hmm. that are struggling hugely with with food and mealtimes so hopefully we could reach as many people as as possible and address the very 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 complex task that is eating yeah it's it's actually crazy it's more I think more people have troubles than people that don't right at some point absolutely their children Mm. well it's really interesting because the actual eating is the single most complex task that anyone will ever do. Oh, because really? More that more complex than flying a plane than than anything. Oh my gosh! Because the, yeah, because it's the only task that involves every single body structure and function mm-hmm. to be working in a perfect order. Yeah. So if one part of that is not working or not right, which is what we try and you know work out in our assessments but if one part of that whole system is you know not doing what it's supposed to be doing mm. yeah it upsets be really hard. the whole thing yeah absolutely so yeah I'm not surprised it's a it's a big a big area yeah, yeah definitely um so when we talk about feeding what can we do to ensure that we're setting our children up for successful feeding? Mm, thank you for asking such an easy question. That's <laughs> so easy to answer. Um, there are lots of things that we can do to support our our child's feeding development. The first thing that kind of comes to mind is allowing, you know, mess. And when I say that, a lot of parents go, Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we don't like that. Um, but there's just so much development that happens when we allow children to be messy with food and right. allow them to experience the all the sensory, um, you know, aspects that food has. Because food is the most sensory thing that we that we do as well. Yeah. And what can happen? What we see a lot of the times is when a child's not allowed to be messy, they quickly learn that. You know, mess is not okay. So I'm going to choose the foods that aren't messy, and mm-hmm. I'm going to choose the foods that don't create a mess because we're not supposed to have mess in our in our house. So I'm not going to choose the yogurt or the fruit puree or the vegetables that make a mess. I'm going to choose the chicken nuggets and the the crackers that don't really make a mess. They're mm-hmm. you know nice yeah. and nice and safe. Yeah. Um. So it, it's it's only for a short time in their lives, but allowing them to be messy is yeah just so so important so um just your own personal opinion would you say that baby led weaning is like great for that rather than because like sometimes I switch between both and honestly the reason why I go with purees is because I can spoon feed my eight month old and it is a lot less messy than when she has like free range with the food (sighs) Yes. Um, there's a lot of debate, I suppose, around baby lead versus puree. Yeah. Um, the research kind of says a mixture of both yeah. is yeah. The, the kind of preferred way to do okay. it. Yeah. Obviously, if you're short on time and you just need to get food in, yeah. then purees is probably going to be the easier option for that. Mm-hmm. Um, something kind of on that as well, and I guess why they say a mixture, there's a... a a quote or saying going around which I want to kind of ignore Mm. is that food before one is just for fun yeah what is is that not right no no no. Ah. there's so much development that happens before one yes you you essentially by one you should really be able to eat anything mm. you should you know everything going well yeah. you should yeah. be able to to eat anything so yeah when when people say food before one is just for fun um there's obviously the mess which looks like fun but you're yeah. actually learning there's actually a lot of development that's kind of happening yeah also like my child like literally screeches if we don't give her food I don't think she could wait till after one to start having no. food to be full like 
No. Yeah. No, absolutely. And if that's kind of happening in a meal, mm. it might be one where you puree first to, mm. you know, fill us up a little bit. Yeah. And then we do some foods to start to learn how to move foods properly mm-hmm. in our mouth. Because obviously cool. puree is just the one you know, motion. the one motion that's happening, whereas we need to learn munching and then rotary chew and mm-hmm. all of the billions of aspects that, that happen in there. So for that case, it might be fill us up so that we are able to engage. We're not hangry. We're yeah. <laughs> able to focus on the food. Yeah. Um, and then we can kind of learn those those skills. So do you have any tips or tricks on how to navigate fussy eating in toddlers and like as they get older so i guess firstly as we've already said eating is very complex and there's a lot of things involved it hopefully is comforting to know that 90 to 95 percent of all children will go through a period of fussy eating good great that is comforting yeah how like how long is a period <laughs> when will we get out the, the other side that's what we want to know because my my son is two and i swear it's been a year now and i'm like is that a period of fussiness or is that like that's that feels like more yeah, than that yeah um it's it's a tough one to kind of give a time frame on um it typically will happen between that kind of 18 month to four year period purely because there's so much brain mm-hmm. development happening then. Like we're learning to be our own person. We're learning we can say no. We're learning how we can control and mm. manage our environment. Um, and the easiest thing we can control is what goes into our mouth. So, you know, that's mm-hmm. yeah. is kind of why that happens, I guess, around around that that age. So yeah. I don't know if I've got an end an end point, but it probably shouldn't really be lasting <laughs> yeah, longer than like six months to to a year would kind of be the rough time frame. Okay. Um, and then we kind of hope that and we'll talk mm. through some strategies so you're not alone. <laughs> um but yeah, <laughs> it, 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 there is a period that, that naturally happens. Um I guess it's probably just most important not to, as much as they're trying to control their diet and maybe sticking to preferred foods, um, really important not to just mm. offer those preferred foods. So to actually keep that exposure to mm-hmm. more foods, because um, otherwise you're going to get stuck yeah. on on those however many foods. And then down the track when their diet starts to expand again, that the, the food you're trying to introduce is going to be foreign completely. So keeping that yeah. that exposure yeah. going um the best way that we can really do that is and i know we don't have a lot of time in our lives to do it but involving them in cooking baking meal prep wherever yeah. possible just for that sensory yeah. and that sense of control as well but i guess on that when a food does come to the table that they've made there shouldn't be an expectation that they eat that food because again they kind of need to be in control yeah. of that that process um so it's more you know so and so made yeah. this food today and they might just touch it for the day and that's okay but they're still getting the exposure that you're not alone <laughs> so frustrating which is probably like the worst way to feel about it and i think you know you make make all this food and then none of it gets eaten and that's what's mm. hard with you know always putting like exposing them to those foods when you just think, well, that's just going to end up wasted. It's such a hard, like, mental barrier to get over, I think. Absolutely. And it it is. We can take it really personally when they don't eat the food that we've we've made. You've gone, I just spent hours in the kitchen making that and you're not eating it. And we can take it really personally. But we know, you know, that food is, is really complex. So there might be something else that's making that really difficult and, hopefully some things we talk about will make that a bit a bit easier but it's easy to say to not be hard on yourself it's um it's good now that Florence has started eating because if Harry doesn't eat something then I just give it to her <laughs> and she's like yeah happy that's that she's good. at the point where she's happy to have Great. whatever <laughs> um now tricky mealtime behaviors throwing food spitting food all of that we've all been there do you have anything to help us manage that? I guess the first thing with all of those behaviours is every behaviour has a meaning. You know, there's usually something behind the behaviour. And I don't expect us all to be psychologists and to work out, you know, the details of what that behaviour is. Yeah. But there's usually something 
that's really tricky for them about that task because they're not wanting to you know throw the food or, or whatever it's there's something about this that mm. is not sitting right with my body. Um, usually it's a sensory mm-hmm. reason um, of, you know, this food smells is just really overwhelming, visually really overwhelming. There's something about it that is just not sitting right with my body. Um, so there's some things that we can do around, I guess, adapting the task or the the challenge to meet their needs rather than I suppose what we mm-hmm. might expect that they should be doing um, you know we might expect that they right. are having steamed broccoli um, but actually they're someone who really likes crunchy food so maybe just a raw broccoli might be better from a mm-hmm. from a sensory perspective um, so I guess it's kind of breaking mm-hmm. it down and seeing well why why are we throwing is it because we're two and we're trying to learn <laughs> control and and a way of saying no um or is there something kind of i guess deeper underlying that um because usually there's a meaning yeah yeah that makes sense so how do we know when it's more than just a phase of being picky and like what should we do about this if we we're starting to think hang on this this isn't right or this doesn't seem normal how do we go about that there's a lot of again a lot of factors that might kind of be playing a role if the sometimes mm-hmm. if the breastfeeding journey was a little bit difficult and then starting solids was also difficult um to be honest that's kind of a, a bit of a flag that there might be something else going on because we should be able to kind of go through that mm-hmm. that process okay um i've had lots of kids come through where breastfeeding was really difficult um nothing was ever really managed around it no one ever really looked into why solids you know when they first started solids it was really difficult and they couldn't work out why and later down the track we find out that there's a you know a really large tongue tie or there was underlying reflux Mm -hmm. or something else going on that's made that journey difficult oh this is so interesting because I had such a difficult breastfeeding experience with Harry so I'm like oh my gosh maybe there is something else going on generally if feeding has been difficult under 18 months definitely is kind of that next step it's not just picky eating anymore because under 18 months we don't have the developmental behaviors Mm -hmm. that we might be seeing so under 18 months food should be you know yeah in in typical development and nothing going wrong Um, food just should be going and fine but if there's something disrupting that under that 18 month period yeah not the child showing a behavior or something going on there's usually an underlying mm-hmm. so that's kind of the first flag is if it's been from the get-go really the guidelines kind of say more than three months is kind of if there's kind of been a phase that's more than three months mm-hmm. if you've got less than 20 foods you know 20 foods being this is all that they will have there's no you know with there's no more new foods we're refusing to try mm-hmm. any new foods we get really distressed and overwhelmed and show behaviors when we're asked to try a new food outside of kind of our very safe comfort foods um, and usually mm-hmm. it's no fruit or very little fruit very little veg and very little meat is kind of the lags to to kind of look out um but yeah it's more just if it's been going on for a really really long time with no i can see your face georgia (laughs) with no no changes or or nothing that you're doing is is making a difference and like we say if it's been from the start um yeah i'd be looking probably medically first to see if there's something going on there um, I'd then be looking from an oral motor point of view, can mm-hmm. we actually manage the foods appropriately? Um, and then from a sensory point of view, is there something going on there? So yeah, there's a, a lot of parts. <laughs> and I think that's the trouble, like, because you hear, oh, every child goes through a fussy stage. You just think, oh, yep, that's normal then. And then it's kind of just gone on and on and on and on. And then it's like, is this normal? Yeah, absolutely. And, you, and you're going to get that, you know, 
other health professionals, GPs, pediatricians, oh no, it's just a phase. It's all, it's all fine. You know, nothing to worry about. Yes. But when you yep. can kind of see your list of, I suppose, safe foods getting smaller and smaller, and behaviours getting more and more, and you know, the months getting longer and longer, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, there might be something going on. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it's yeah more the more the time frames, and if it's been from the start more so is kind of a our flags so if they are really fussy say and one of their foods that they really Mm. like is yogurt for example would you recommend hiding vegetables or you know other foods in their yogurt to get them to eat it or is it better to just be open honest upfront with them about what it is from a long-term building a healthy relationship with food building trust with you no <laughs> in in a in a in a perfect world my yeah yeah in in a perfect world it would be you would be making yeah the yogurt or muffins or something with them and they would be seeing and knowing exactly what's going into that food yeah because i've i've seen it so many times and it's mm. it's hard to watch when we get to a place where the child learns there's always been that in that food you know there's always been carrots in there or there's always been zucchini in there what Mm. else is not safe anymore and it can lead you know leave the child feeling really unsafe and, Mm -hmm. and uncertain um so i guess i love to use just like a plain chocolate muffin recipe and getting you know obviously with the child and grating in carrot grating in zucchini obviously all separately um beetroot even mashed kumara you know there's a lot of options because the chocolate is a nice Mm. cover for those kind of foods so the child's involved they know what's Mm. going into it they've hopefully helped you to make it so that they know exactly what's happened and you know they know and there's a nice chocolate coating usually they're more likely to try it um it's kind of like it's kind of like when you go to a restaurant and you kind of order something new and you spend a little bit more time kind of inspecting that food and kind of deconstructing it almost breaking it apart to go i'm not really sure because i haven't made this and i don't know what's gone into it and i'm just not quite sure um so they're much more likely to be involved when they've been or eat it or at least engage with it when they've been involved in that process so but i do understand that it's a nice way to get veggies in because veggies are really veggies veggies are they're tough they're really really tough because we've got this part of our brain that is dating way back to our cavemen you know prehistoric days where back then vegetables were actually poisonous that we, we couldn't eat vegetables so they mostly lived on fruit because vegetables were poison so mm. we've actually got this part of our brain that says vegetables they're not safe you know that the survival part of our brain is saying this is not safe mm. so when i'm two i'm probably going to listen to that part of the brain because something about this is not is not safe yeah yeah I'm not okay with this because a part of my brain is saying this is actually might be poison so it's just trying to break that down and and introduce them in really safe fun ways Um, because vegetables can be like they're they're quite bitter they're not you know usually the most appealing food to have especially when we go from breastfeeding or formula feeding which is a very sweet in our palate two vegetables which are bitter that's a really tough you know that's a really tough transition as well Mm. I love making um well like my daughter loves pasta so I do spaghetti bolognese but I like literally (laughs) I put like so much I do like mushrooms and carrots and zucchini and spinach and everything Mm. and she doesn't act like Mm. I mean she knows what's going in there because she like helps me sometimes. But when she's eating it, not once does she mention the vegetables ever. She just eats it, it's which so is good. great. Absolutely. And what yeah. I like there is that you've, she knows what's going into it. You've involved her in that process. And essentially all you've done there is you've just changed the sensory element of it. You've just gone from offering, you know, just the plain raw or cooked vegetable and you've just changed it. Mm. You've just made it more yeah. palatable. 
essentially. Yeah. Mm. Mm. That's when That's the like the, the fine side of the grater comes in handy. Oh yeah. That's what I <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Always the fine. <laughs> yes. Rather than the nice big chunks that <laughs> can very easily yeah. Be, yeah, yeah. Be, be seen. But And that's where coming back to that behavior question is it's often just that. It's often just this mm. how it's – and it's nothing to do with our, our cooking. It's just the the process that the food goes through when it's cooked is just very different. Yeah. Mm. So it's just making it in a way that's – easier so um what are your thoughts on treat foods because sometimes i definitely sometimes i use them as a bargaining tool <laughs> i'll well, occasionally <laughs> to do oh, things 100 <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i guess and i it's probably just from my line of work is that all food really is good food you know, it's kind of mm-hmm. at the end of the day just food. And I guess yeah. something that I'm trying to work on <laughs> taking on the world, changing the view around good food and bad food. And actually, it's just yeah. food. Um, what's much easier is if we can just just call food what it is, but just label. So say, for example, if you're having afternoon tea and you've got apples and you've got biscuits and you really want the child to eat the apple, but you know they're going to eat the biscuits. So rather than just saying, eat the apple first, then the then the biscuits, because that's just going to, you know, kind of reiterate that. There's something about that. Why, why do they want me to eat that so badly? What's, you know, mm, yeah. what's so important or interesting about that that I have to I have to eat it over the biscuit yeah but rather just have them both and say for afternoon tea we've got apple and a biscuit the apple is crunchy and sweet the biscuit is crunchy and sweet we've just normalized Mm. it and we've prepared them so they know they're getting crunchy and sweet it's just in two different forms so it's it's Uh, interesting it's a huge issue and a huge (laughs) a huge topic around it but I guess it's just trying to normalize but I think food shouldn't be treat foods in particular shouldn't be restricted or or limited because mm. it's kind of down the track more detrimental to to restrict yeah. and limit and True. limit those foods. And that's the thing, I guess. Often treat food kind of gets put on a bit of a pedestal, doesn't it? And it's like mm. if you eat this, then you can have this thing at the end. Absolutely. Whereas I guess like. Do you recommend just, well, like I guess you said with the offering at the same time, is that the best way to go about it? Yeah. And, and I guess it's just, yeah, not, not saying you have to eat this before you can Mm. have this. It's kind of, yeah, yeah, this is, this is what's on offer. And And then if they just eat the biscuit, is that, what do we do? That's just fine. (laughs) It's just the way that it is. Yeah. We, we can't force a child to to eat something yeah um but you know like if they've if you've said so say the apple and the biscuit if you've said there's two biscuits on offer and they ask for more that's all that's on offer you've got the two biscuits that's that's all that we've got and what's left is the apple so if we're still hungry then we'll eat um as long as that's a safe food and one that we can manage um but yeah Yeah. that's kind of what's on offer i suppose (laughs) yeah yeah and i guess hopefully eventually they then will eat the apple right that's that's the hope that's being optimistic but yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. but I guess it's just it's more of a long-term building that relationship with food so for the first couple of times it probably will just be the biscuit that's accepted but when you keep offering it in that way at the same time and starting to normalize it it just becomes food it doesn't become the the pedestal that you're talking about, which is absolutely true. Yeah. Um, it just becomes food. So there's definitely that transition period, I suppose, of you know that time where the biscuit will just be accepted. But then after time, it's okay. Yeah. This is actually all just all food. So when we think about meal times, how can we set that up for success? Is that eating as a family, or yeah, what what do you think around that? Yeah. I have lots of thoughts around this. <laughs> um, so, yes, in a, again, in a perfect world, and I say in a perfect world because there's lots of things that happen and, and go on and situations and circumstances. In a perfect world, yes, it's everyone sitting together at the table or as many people that are 
at home together at the Mm. table. There's a few things that I really want to talk about here because they are kind of the key elements to kind of tie everything that we've talked about today together. So the first one is, I guess, kind of how we are at the table and what we bring to the table is is really Mm. important so there's a a model that we use um, it's called Alan Satter's division of responsibility for anyone who wants to look it up but essentially what was happening was she was getting lots of families coming and we still do get lots of families coming with just more the I suppose behaviors but I you know the the fussy eating that might be extending and Mm. lots of just um, power struggle you know power struggling that's happening at the table Mm. and no one was really knowing what to do about it so she's kind of said that and it works beautifully is that parents have a job at the table and children have a job at the table when we can stick to our jobs feeding goes well you know there's no power Mm -hmm. struggle everyone bellies are full it goes it goes really nicely what can happen though is when we try and do each other's roles is when it can get a little bit a little bit tricky so essentially the parent's job is to decide what's on offer for the meal where Mm. the meal is going to be had and when it's going to be had so that's all meals and snacks Mm -hmm. so you've said 5 30 at the table we're having tacos or you know at Mm -hmm. three o'clock we're having a snack you're deciding when where and what and so with the what, mm-hmm. there does need to be a food that they can have or they will have because it's not a it's not a case of I'm deciding what's on offer, we're just gonna have a whole tray of vegetables because it's kind of <laughs> defeats the <laughs> defeats the purpose. But you're deciding yeah. you're deciding what's on offer, where it is and when it is. That's all your job is. Which that's still a big job, mm-hmm. but that's that's where your yeah. that's where your job stops essentially. It then becomes the child's job to decide if they eat, what they eat, and how much they eat. So that's a pretty big job that they have to take care of. But we really have to Mm. trust. And again, it's assuming that there's nothing that's really disrupting that. We have to trust that they will eat to what their what their body needs. And some days that might be a really small meal. Some days that might be a really big meal. Sometimes that might be no food at all, but we have to trust that they will eat to their to what their body needs. So it sounds really simple, and it's, but it can sometimes take a little bit of time to, I suppose, implement and and get used to. But it's yeah. really really effective in taking away that that power struggle at meals when you've done your job of you've decided what's on offer they then decide if they eat it can sometimes get tricky when probably a common one that might come up is you know asking for snacks throughout the day which is then the child stepping into your role um what we can just say to that is you know we're going to have morning tea in about half an hour you know just kind of almost delaying yeah delaying that that response because it's that's your job you decide when food is Mm. not not the child um so it's a it's a interesting one to get our head around but it's really really effective and a way that I like to encourage families to set up the meal time so that they can do the strategy is kind of it's got a few names like family style buffet style serving so that's basically right all food that's on offer which is your job you've decided what's on offer whatever's on offer is in the middle of the table ideally in you know deep in a deconstructed kind of form but some meals you can't but as much as possible in a deconstructed form in the middle of the table what that does is then you've done your job so you've said what it is and you've you know set it out it then leads the child to go okay I get to now choose what goes onto my plate but so does everyone else at the table okay yeah yeah so it's everyone else at the table gets to choose what goes on their plate as well and it's a really nice strategy again we're 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 looking long term because we want to set them up for for success long term so it's 
yeah, everyone gets to choose what goes onto my plate. And again, for the first couple of meals, it's going to be the foods that they like and the foods that they know. Yeah. And that's, that's okay. It's more around they're feeling in control. They get to choose what goes on, how much goes on, and how much goes in. Right. So with that, saying things like just one more bite or, you know, five more mouthfuls and then you can get down is that we shouldn't be doing that in a, in a perfect world we yeah. shouldn't be saying that because that's then ste- yeah. that's then stepping into their job that's then stepping into their mm. role but that is i don't want anyone to take that to heart because that is so natural for us to for us to say you know it's probably what was said to us when we were growing up and it's what yes. we you know yep. it's what mm. we hear we just hear oh you know keep one more bite one more bite but what we're doing then is we're actually disrupting and interrupting the child's natural hunger cues. So when they've said, I've mm. had enough, and we're saying, one more bite, we're actually overriding their natural hunger cues. And then they can't, they mm. yeah. can then struggle to listen to their body and their, their own hunger cues. With Harry, I noticed that he eats so much better when we just put the food in front of him and it's no pressure he just eats what he wants Mm -hmm. we're eating as well and we're just kind of chatting Mm -hmm. whereas if he's eating and for whatever reason we're not eating at the same time and you're kind of watching him and (laughs) I think he feels this pressure or like you know if our families are over and sometimes he might have been eating early and all of a sudden there's four people sitting around watching him and they're saying come on Harry one more one more mouthful or oh why don't you try your broccoli or Mm -hmm. try your pasta or whatever (laughs) and you can see that he's just like no and then doesn't want to eat anything at all absolutely because everyone's trying to step into his job everyone's trying to take oh, over it his just job. makes so much sense yeah and it, and it does it's like i say it seems really simple but it is quite simple <laughs> it's they need to do yeah. their job we need to do our job and when we can let each other do our own jobs eating goes well feeding goes well meal times are quite can be yeah. quite enjoyable when you know we're sticking to to our jobs but absolutely, there's because eating is such a social, you know, social situation. We are aware of when people are commenting on the foods that we're eating. Like when we're up for brunch, you wouldn't ever say to your friend, "Are you, you know, like you need to eat, keep eating? Like you've got a whole lot of tomato there." Like you know, <laughs> we, wouldn't, we wouldn't ever yeah. comment on our friends if we're out for brunch. But we'll do that for children. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, I actually yeah. said that to Tomo the other day. I was like, "Can you imagine eating and there's four people watching yeah. you?" And we're all just sitting there like, mm. come on, eat, eat. <laughs> I'm like, that would be so awful. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's 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 one of the things that we do a lot in therapy as well is, and I have to sometimes really talk parents through is, you know, we've set up the meal time, we've made the food, whatever it is. Um, I want us to have a conversation and we're going to let the child eat or play or do what they yeah. want to do. But we're having a conversation you know, just general, just chatting about the weather, anything we want. But what we're doing is taking the pressure off because there's nothing worse, especially when food is tricky already and there's a new food, there's absolutely nothing worse than just eyes staring at us. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So that's kind of the ideal way to really, to really set up meal times. What I do want to also mention is, let's say everyone's sitting at the table, which is our ideal place um i would love for everyone to have nice seating for the child so what we don't really notice because our feet are often always on the floor but if we were to lift our feet up our core would have to switch on and we'd actually be just trying to brace ourselves and keep ourselves in an upright position which means our Mm. jaw can't open like we're we're bracing so much in our core that we can't actually open as much and we're too focused on keeping ourselves upright rather than what's on offer you know the food that's in Mm. front of us simple solution is just get them a footstool Um, that might be sometimes you can get like a trip trap or a mocha like the feeding chairs that have the Mm, adjustable foots those are ideal but you can also just get a a bathroom footstool or something that's going to give them that support because it's basically just going to ground them and then their core can relax their jaw can relax and they can focus on the food that's in front of them so 
a pretty simple mm. one too. Oh, that's a great tip. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that. Like I've seen that on Instagram, especially with high chairs that have no mm. footrest and lots of people um, either put those resistance bands yeah. around the legs so they sit mm. so their baby can like rest the feet on it. Yeah. And I always just thought, oh, like, does it actually matter? And <laughs> I feel like I probably should get like a little footrest for yeah. my child. Yeah, and it mm. seems it seems almost too small to do anything about. Mm. <laughs> like it, it does almost mm. seem like, oh, do we really do we really have to do that? Um, please, yes, mm. yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. Hmm. yeah. It's good please to know. Yeah, huh. yeah, because yeah, we just we just don't notice because our feet are always on the floor. Yeah. It's actually, we're asking them to do an ab workout while they're eating. <laughs> tricky. So what would be your one piece of advice for parents who are really struggling with meal times right now? Because like we've all been in that boat <laughs> or we are in that boat at the moment and we know how challenging it can be. Um, oh, I don't know if I can narrow it down to one, <laughs> one piece of advice. Um, I guess it's take on board everything we've, we've talked about. Yeah. But I guess as we, as we know that food is, is complex, there's a lot of things that might be at play. Mm. So it's not being hard on yourself, but also if you are concerned do you know, seek someone out to, to get that addressed yeah uh, I guess the piece of advice would be more around focusing on the meal itself mm-hmm. not what's going in you know volume mm. food will we'll get there yeah if we can actually feel included and feel joy at the table is actually much more powerful than the food itself because right. if you're going through a period the food's going to come back but that experience kind of always needs to needs to be there. So mm-hmm. when they can, you can just have a meal. And if that's them playing with the food for the meal, that's okay. It's yeah. they're still involved in the family. Because sometimes what can happen is if you know they might not be eating what everyone else is eating, and you're all going to change that now because we've talked yeah. about how you can <laughs> how you can change that. But you know sometimes they get excluded from meals and they're not involved because they are not eating what everyone else is eating and that can be really when we're eating five to eight times a day that's a lot of time that we're kind of missing out on with our with our family and our loved ones so actually just more just focusing on having an enjoyable pleasant meal mm-hmm. itself yeah is is yeah actually more important than the food in a sense like the food's the food's going to come it's Mm -hmm. we need to feel we need to feel good at the table yeah that's great yeah that's really really good advice yeah thank you so much Rebecca that's been um from like a personal perspective extremely useful so we know that lots of listeners will also have gained so so much from your chat so thank you so much for chatting to us today thank you so much for listening we hope that you got something out of that chat with Rebecca we know that we definitely all learnt a few things Um, This week we are really thankful to the Sleep Store. We have a bumpkins feeding pack um, to give away. So just keep an eye out on our Instagram and details for that will be up on there. So thank you so much to the Sleep Store. Um, We hope you have a great week and you can find us on Instagram at parentpod.nz and we would love it if you could subscribe or like um, wherever you listen to us chat to you guys next week. <laughs>